Ott van még Nikolic. Nígó felé, Nígó helyzetben! Gól! Gól! Nígó kiegyenlít! Bravo, Loik! Bravo, Lolikám! Lajos! Szép gól volt! Sallai! Azon mellett még el tudjuk hozni. Sőt, Szoboszlai kap labdát. Szoboszlai előtte Nikolic bent középült könyves. Szoboszlai! Könyves szép helyet csinált neki! Szoboszlai lő! Gól! Hello and welcome to the Hungarian Football Podcast. It's me today, Tomás Mortimer. And on the show we have a very special guest, three-time Olympic champion coach, works with a number of Hungarian footballers, Roland Ugray, Jonas Hahn, Danon Shaloy, Balas Dujek, Dominic Soboslai, to name a few. And he's also been involved with Kerelut in the third tier of Hungarian football last season. Uh, welcome to the show, Shane Tussup. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so if we begin uh, your journey into Hungarian football, like for me and I think a lot of Hungarian football fans and probably a lot of Hungarian sport fans, I was a little bit sceptical, to be honest, when I saw you enter into the realm of Hungarian football, if I'm being completely honest. Like, <laughs> I, know you, I knew you had like a world-class uh, reputation in swimming, but like I, th- I just think from the outside, like how much is that? going to be transferable to Hungarian football so when I saw you working with these guys I was like okay okay I'm, I'm not, I don't know if this is going to work but then the the how how it's kind of come to be with the impact that you're having on I think to Janas Hahn like his, his season's been unbelievable and Daniel Shaloy in particular he's like even being touted as being in the the MLS all-star team uh this summer like what are you doing to these guys? Like, why, why are you so successful <laughs> with these guys? Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned the skepticism. I think, honestly, I still feel it, even with the success I've been fortunate mm. to have in the football industry, especially in Hungary. Um, I still feel the skepticism now when I talk to, you know, different people across the board in different positions. Like, you just feel a lot that, oh, yo, you're a swim coach, right? Mm. And I'm like, I mean, I never really was a swim coach. I mean, I've always, you know, I've called myself a lot of things during, you know, different performances on stage and stuff. But, you know, I've really always been a corner man, you know, the guy in a boxing fight that has you in the corner, um, you know, someone who really like brings out the best in you. That That's my, my, my goal is always to bring out what's inside. I don't really motivate. Like, I don't believe you really can find motivation for someone, like for me to find it for you. I have to find what your motivation is and help you bring it out. Um, so it's been like, I've, my expertise was about performance and finding a ways and, and working with you to get you to perform at your highest. So swimming just kind of, that's what I did. You know, that's where I, for whatever reason throughout my career, I, I played football as a really young kid. And then I went to basketball and I was playing, you know, every sport you can think of. I had the opportunity to go to track and field and to swimming for college. I ended up picking swimming, um, it was just what I did. I knew it the best, but I was, I was taught at USC. My, my education was with American football. Uh, a lot of the guys that I worked with went to the NFL at the time and the NBA, uh, well, 
you know, basketball and they went to the NBA. So for me, it was just, it made a lot more sense to actually be involved in football. Um, I still feel the skepticism, but I mean, that's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. Um, for me, it's just, it's really been about, you know, connecting with these guys and, and helping them to see things from a professional standpoint to understand what we need to do. And and really like working closely with them on a one-on-one basis to really start to break down what's going on and what they need to accomplish in order to accomplish the bigger goals. And, you know, everyone's slightly different. So every player has been a different path and a different one-on-one experience. Um, but yeah, it's just been an amazing experience. A lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. And it's been you know something I hope I can continue to do in the future and continue to get more guys to have similar results. And, I think we've only seen the beginning of Janos and Daniel. I think they have a lot more to to impact in the sport and, and the industry as a whole. That's really exciting. So how, how were you introduced to, to Hungarian football, I guess, in, in the first place? How did that opportunity come about? Um, you know, I've always I've always been a fan of Hungarian football since we came here. Like, you know, I know that Hungary was like, we love football. We love the sport. We've always it sucked because we always really wanted to be good at it. It's been a national sport for us, but we just haven't had the performances on the international stage the way we wanted to. So when I first got here, I was always fascinated just in general by following it, watching and seeing what's going on, uh, following the national team games. Um, I actually ended up getting involved in it with Dominic, uh, Swalslai, with my, the people I was involved with were involved with him. And, you know, there was all these connections in between and they were struggling to find to get him to the next level and to get him to have a breakout performance. And they were struggling with people he would respond to. So they told him, who will you listen to? Who would you work with? And mm. he's like, Shane, all advanced. <laughs> done. Let's do it. Let's, you know, I had already been talking to the people that were in connection. I said, you know, I had these different ideas about being involved in football. I always thought it'd be kind of cool ever since the, um, since the voting about the national team coach came up a couple of years in 2017, it came up about me potentially being a national team head coach. Um, it started out as a joke. When it came up about voting. It was just a huge joke. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Let's just play around with this and have some fun with everyone. Mm-hmm. And the people around me started talking and like, well, what would you even do? Like, you know, I was like, I started explaining. I was like, that position's more of a managerial role. You have to really be a motivator and connect people and get them to work together and bring the best out of people. That's really what I do. Um, but you need to have the right people who know tactics and all this other stuff around you, you know? Um, and then we started talking. I was like, actually, I started breaking it down how I could see myself in football. And I started kind of playing with the fantasy of like, that'd be kind of cool. You know, it'd be a lot of fun. Like that's a lot of what I was based on and just more of a European style of sport. And it's kind of grown from there. I've always wanted to be involved. And when the whole, the whole Dominic situation came up, the guys knew I was interested. So it just kind of seamlessly happened really quick. And I pitched him and his father on my ideas and yeah, the whole thing kind of went very well after that. And it's been a, a steady, you know, a steady progress since that point. And it's been fun and it's, you know, it's been an experience for sure. So we'll stick with Sobos side for, for a sec because we've got a couple of questions on him as well from one from Griezmann Chief and, and one from Peter Guber pretty much asking the same thing. Like what is what have you done with with Sobos like because obviously his his rise has been amazing since he was 15 he was he was a phenomenal footballer anyway um, but 
the way he's come on and progressed over the last four or five years has been exceptional. But when when did you start getting involved with him? How old was he? And then and then I, I don't want you to reveal your secrets or anything, but kind of how how have you got into his head and how have you, how have you um, like I guess physically trained him to to become what he is at the moment? You know, one of the keys with with him as well, you know, with with all the guys basically, is that for me, it's really about having that one-on-one connection and getting to be able to interact with them and connect with them. So you really got to understand their perception, how they see things, how they see their their brand, their position in the industry, their position in the country, uh, on their team. So really understanding where they come from and what they're looking at. Um, and then being able to interact with them and get them to understand what we're looking at, you know, professionalism, how they see, you know, some of these guys, this, they, they do a great job. They're natural talents, but then getting them to understand their natural talents and we need to put some extra work in, but that shouldn't be a bad thing. That's a good thing. We should embrace that. And, you know, really understanding how the industry works as a whole. I mean, sometimes these guys are amazing talents and just don't understand that. Um, how do I say this? That the team is a team. So someone like Salzburg or Poch or, or whatever team it is, like, the team is hiring you. Same thing with the Lakers and LeBron. Like they're hiring you to do a job. They expect Dominic to come on the field and bring Dominic's skill set and his, you know, unique ability to this field. Same thing with Janos. They expect him to step on the field and be a scoring threat. Um, so you need to, you're they're expecting you to do whatever it is you have to do to bring that magic to the field. You don't if you look at LeBron, LeBron's spending one point five million dollars a year in terms of taking care of his health and his abilities and the Lakers, not the ones that are training him at the facility. Like he is doing the work behind the scenes and they do the teamwork to get the team to gel. And that's what the teams are all about. Mm. Same structure as the national team. That's why football can work that way. But, you know, getting to understand that you have to continue to develop. It's not something you do and you stop. You don't develop until a certain age and there's, okay, I'm good. Dominic was good, but we could be better. And getting him to see and understand the ways we could be better getting him to think in a more professional manner, um, not like professional business. He has agents for that, but more of the performance as the goal. How do I break this performance down? How do I come back day in, day out? How do I peak for games on Wednesdays and Sundays? How do I plan for the future while still getting the job done for someone like Salzburg? Um, so it was just really about working with them, understanding where they're coming from and what we need to get done. And then, you work closely with them. So the key was really working closely with them on, you know, with Janos has been a daily basis. Um, he literally calls me, he'll text me in the morning. We'll text in the evening. We, we just, we talk all the time. Um, you know, it's just getting that relationship to grow and develop so that you could be the guy they need whenever they have a question or a concern and getting them to do the work, even though you're not pulling the leash, you need to get mm-hmm. them to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. And to really kind of, I guess in a bad way, that would explain it. The only way I can think of is to educate them, to get them mm-hmm. to understand what it is and what that accomplishes and what they really need to do to accomplish the things they want to accomplish. So, you know, we started working together. Oh, my God. At this point was, I think, December of 2019. Uh, we started working together and it was a process of understanding and fitting into the role of Salzburg and and. My goal is never to step on anyone's toes, so I don't step on Poch's toes, or I, I want to be a resource for them and have a good relationship with any team I'm, I'm involved with. So 
you know, really trying to make things sure things fit in well and you're streamlining everything. But we were working together with that and then just trying to make sure everything was an upward trajectory. And then, you know, it's just been a matter of every relationship's unique. So every relationship I've had with all these players, you know, you're, it's, it's on, it's off, it's, it's right, it's left. It's, it's, you know, whatever their, their current condition and professional career dictates. So really being free, you know, a free flowing method, a free flowing uh, structure. Yeah, with the thing with Dominic Soboslai as well, I imagine which must have been quite tough was was the hype that was surrounding him from from such a young age. We've seen with a lot of players in Hungarian football, modern history. I think to to someone like Balas Jujak, he he was and Christian Nemeth as well. Like they were both touted as being world class footballers at such a young age, and and for whatever reason, it didn't work out for him. For, for both of them, really. With Dominic, was there a, a case of you having to almost keep a lid on that and kind of keep him composed and, and keep him like, yeah, you're a great footballer, you're great, uh, it'd be, uh, you need to do more to achieve this greatness, but also kind of not buy into his own hype, if, if that's the right kind of phrase? Yeah, it's tough because, you know, you have to be there. You essentially have to be their friend and be their hype man, but at the same time, you have to slap them when they're getting caught up in their own hype. Mm-hmm. So you have to ground them. You know, I always joke with all the players, like, I, they know for a fact that you work with me, I tell you how it is. I, I don't lie to you. When you do amazing, I'll be the first one to hype you up and tell you how, how insane it was and how amazing it was. And when you're, you're doing something completely crap or you're not doing the right thing, I'm going to text you or call you and tell you, like, that was, that was not good. That was BS. Like, you can do better. You know, they, they know I'm always honest with them. So, you know... <clears throat> They, they learn that that's my relationship with them. It's going to be honest. It's going to be brutally honest, so that we can try to avoid it at all costs. And I'm always, I'm always trying to instill the idea that you need to check your ego at the door. Um, you know, I want you to embrace who you are, embrace the coolness of what you've accomplished and who you're, what you're doing in the industry. But the work still has to get done. Um, you still have to put the work in. You still have to try to get better. If we're not trying to get better, we're getting worse. Um, so, you know, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult balance. It's one of the big parts and stressful parts of the job is you're constantly balancing and constantly trying to make sure you're not going too far in one direction or the other. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, when you start working with someone, it's, it's hard. You're nervous to talk to them. You know, I found it, too, especially switching out of sports with the skepticism of always a swim coach, um, really trying to make sure that you know, not getting caught up in the hype of working with a big time professional athlete who's worth, you know, whatever it was, 25 million transfer fee and stuff like that, you know, but trying to talk to them like real people, trying to talk to them and, and relate to them and, and interact with them normally. Um, you know, it's just, it's a process, but my background was psychology and that's where I come from. And a lot of my, a lot of my program and my philosophy and everything I kind of build is based around the ideas of performance psychology. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just trying to build that in and trying to work with them and try to understand where they come from. And and if they're caught up in their hype, you got to bring them down or vice versa. And, you know, a lot of these people, it's, it's difficult. The hype is out there, but that's not necessarily how they feel behind closed doors and the media is hard on them. So, you know, trying to get them to not read media or not overthink different things so it's it's a difficult balance between everything and I think it's in more than just a you know two-sided it's it's multi-sided balancing 
So yeah. Um, so on the psychology aspect, Gerafan asks, um, do you notice any mental blocks when working with Hungarian athletes in particular? I think he means because, like, like I say, a little bit like Jujak and Nemet in in previous times, like there always seems to be a case where like we have loads and loads of talent in Hungary, but like the players sometimes for whatever reason don't always achieve like the potential that, that they um, that everyone thinks that they should do. I mean, I think. I mean, for sure. I mean, you see a lot of mental blocks, but you see it across all sports in Hungary a lot of times. I mean, it's it's a dominant thing across sports in general. Um, Hungary, to be completely honest with you, it just seems to be a Hungarian thing a lot of times because of how history has been developed. We've always, we've always got it. Some somehow it's always been unfair for us, and and it's it's mm-hmm. rightfully so. You know, with wars and this and that, things have always kind of gone sideways for us. Um, so I think you know it kind of got instilled a little bit in the country, a little bit in the, the mentality, and it, I mean that's the worst thing you can have in sports. So yeah. you know we have it, and I think that we kind of when think we have this attitude when things are too good that we're you know oh we'll find a way to screw it up or. <laughs> you know, we've gotten this this sense, but it's amazing because it's, it's 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 uh, for me it's a good problem to have because it's something we can easily address and we can easily fix um, yeah. once we acknowledge it and we realize it and we start to design our programs and design our protection of the athletes around avoiding this and around building them stronger mentally with this. I mean, a great example was you know the the group of death. You know, it's like oh, it's France, it's Portugal, it's Germany, but you know. We were in there for, for 84 minutes, the first Portugal game. Like, we said, hells no, we're going to throw down. We're expected to lose. We're expected not to be mm-hmm. good. So mm-hmm. if losing is guaranteed, then we can only go up from here. So once we kind of said, forget it, screw it, let's just go for this, we became a whole different team working together. And it was the first game, 3-0. Okay. And then we came out of our – we really came out to play and really came out to throw down and go after them. The results of the group, you know, didn't matter in the future. It was only about that group of four play, four teams. Like, we just, everyone was like, okay, if we could actually tie a team, like, our expectations changed. So, people were happy we played well until 84 minutes. They were happy that we, we drew. You know, it was a huge accomplishment. And it was not only the players' expectations of what's going to happen, but also the fans' response the, they, they were actually celebrated for a draw they were celebrated for doing well for 84 minutes like we we affect them as fans we affect them as supporters so i think you know it's just the industry as whole we expect to do bad we expect things haven't worked for us in the past but we need to get around that and start to build the idea that we can be a powerhouse countries that are smaller are powerhouses we just have to do mm-hmm. one step at a time and we have to build one team and one program at a time and one more athlete, one more athlete, and keep building out the competition to get on that national team where it doesn't matter who's hurt. We call up the next guy and we we compete and we throw down against some of the best in the world. Yeah. Do you feel that uh, you've been in Hungary for a while now? Do you feel like there is a kind of mentality change that is kind of happening? Do you sense that in any in any respect? Um, I think for me, honestly... Uh, I mean, that's one of the, I mean, it's hard for me to say I'm really biased with it because one of the things I really strove to do with everything we were doing in swimming and all the accomplishments we wanted to try and accomplish was to show what was possible. 
with swimming, you know, everyone always said you swim one race. You're good at one thing. If you're 53, you swim 53. If it's, uh, you know, 4 a.m. Or, or 200 backstroke, that's what you swim. And, you know, with my mentality coming in, it was like, if you're going to be in, like, you're not a swimmer, you're an athlete. You're not a football player, you're an athlete. And it was, if you're going to be developing this stuff, you go across the board and you, you, you want to show what the range of possibilities were. Don't, like, limit yourself just to limit yourself. Um, Hungary should be fighting to get into the World Cup. And if we don't, we don't. But we should be fighting to get in there. And we should expect to be in there. We should expect to be in the top. We should expect to win against France and Germany. And if we don't, we go back to the drawing board and we figure out why and how and how do we, what's the steps to get better so next time we can. Um, but we just had a lot of self-limiting as from what I saw when I got here. And now it seems like, I hope, hopefully I played a little part in that or had something to say with that. But it seems like we're seeing more of what's possible and people are trying to be more bold with what they want to accomplish and what they want to do. And for me, someone like Janos too, he's like, I want to try and go international. I don't know if I'll be successful mm -hmm. international, but I want to try. And I want to be able to say I did it. And I want to be able to say that I tried. And if I'm meant to come back to Hungary and that's all I can do, then that's fine. But I'm going to give it everything I got to go international. And I think that that was really cool for me. That really got me on board because that's exactly what we should be doing. We shouldn't be afraid of failing. And so many people for when I got here in 2012, were just very afraid that you're going to fail and fall flat on your face. Cause okay. What if you fail at the Olympics? I said, and what if we fail just by not trying? Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, it's, it's really about like, go for it, be aggressive, be bold, be daring. And if we lose, we lose, but then we go back to the drawing board and we play the next game. Next time it comes up or the next match or the next race or whatever it is. Zsindul Szalai, és vissza lehet tenni Kleinheislenek, és újra Szalainak, és ott a gól a helyzet, és a gól, és a gól! Szalai vezet Magyarország! 550 nap után, be lehet azt piszkálni, pöckölni, tuckolni! Egy ide! És micsoda támadás volt! I think your nationality also helps like massively as well because like you Americans are always known for being so passionate um, and, and I guess like very confident in, in what you do and and I guess that kind of culture changed like the if the Hungarian people had um, the athletes that you have spent time with are only used to like Hungarian people and being in that kind of mindset that we, you kind of refer to um, having someone like you must be a complete breath of fresh air, really. Do you feel that, like, your type of, I, 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 what, what would you define yourself as, like, body coach or personal trainer? Or, like, I, I mean, I, I know, like, Alex Guerrero, who works with Tom Brady, kind of calls himself a body coach. And you obviously refer to LeBron James having his own personal coach as well. Like, do you feel that, like, this is going to be become a lot more of the norm recently and or maybe is it already the norm in a lot of sports already um i think if you look across the sport you're seeing it more and more you have more nba players working with people you have more um i mean lebron's definitely on the forefront of that i think you see a lot of the next generation of guys that are coming up um the young ones who are taking over the nba right now they're all working with someone um you see i think in the nfl you see it dominantly um for me, it's historically known that the teams do not like if you're working with 
the team's fitness people, you're not working with the best. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that those are not the best. Those, those people are crazy qualified. Don't get me wrong. It's the system. It's not the qualifications of the individual. It's the system qualifications because take a, take a football team and a European football team. If you have, how many fitness trainers are you going to hire? You're going to have a head fitness coach. You're going to, who works strictly for the coach and the assistant coaches. Uh, their focus is on tactics and putting the team together. They expect the team to be a certain level of fit when they get onto the field and what they're doing. So the fitness coaches are supposed to maintain injury, maintain fitness and performance, but how many are you going to have? You have 24 athletes, 22 to 24 athletes. And especially if you, even if you don't have a, a program or developmental program, so what are you going to do? You got four, five guys. Each one has a group of guys and you're going to, I mean, it just gets hard to start to focus on individual players, but you can't tell me that for someone like Ronaldo is working with, you know, the team's fitness people. He probably is. He probably has a good relationship with them, but he also, you've got to know the way he's performed over the course of his career. He's had someone paying attention to what he's doing and working with him. And he's brought the right people at the right time. I last I was researching, he brought in a sprinter, uh, Olympic sprint coach. And the Olympic sprint coach was helping work with him so that he could accelerate quicker and explode faster so he could extend his career and and not take as much pounding on himself when he does that. Um, you know, it's more about these players, especially these top players, taking control of their own body, taking control of their own business. And I say business specifically because that's what Shaloy is doing. That's what Janos is doing. That's what Dominic has to do. That You are a business. You have your people handling your your sponsorships, your your contracts, you have someone handling, helping you get in fit and shape. If you were a business, that would just be expected. We don't worry, you know, uh, we don't care what Apple has to do to provide the iPhone to the market for us to go and buy it or something of that nature, right? But, and Apple doesn't care what their manufacturers have to do to provide the resources and the pieces, the parts that go into the iPhone. They pay for that, you know, so, it goes down the line. You provide a service, like you're a service provider. So that's what you expect, you know? So you're expecting a certain service to be provided and that's what the players are expected to do. So essentially they're a business. And I think that's becoming more and more dominant, especially as I think the league show less and less loyalty to the team, to the players. You see a lot of people get traded after years of loyalty. Like teams don't provide the loyalty that like, they're not, they'll move you. It's a business. So teams will move you. You see Barcelona with Messi. You see how these things go. You see Ramos, Ramos, how he just, the contract goes sideways. So it's, it's a business. It's an industry. And we have to start to understand that and take control. The athletes have to take control of what they're doing and start to hire the right people for them, the best that they can get involved with and start to protect their own brand and their own business operations. Yeah, do you do you notice a difference between the home base players like Janos uh, and someone like Daniel Shaloy or or Dominic Sobos? Like, do you do you maybe notice a gap in in terms of their mentality or or, or physical aspects for the guys who are based here in Hungary? Um, you know, I'm working with also with Richard Vernish and with uh, Roland Ugi, Ugari, um, but. You see most of the guys who, you know, even with Zhuzhak, who I'm working with, you see 
it's a wide range, but most of the guys who call me have some desire, some motivation to learn and experience and to grow. You do see everyone else starting at a different point. So what I've had to teach Boogie and what I've touched Vernish and, and going back and having conversations with Zizek about what he's done and how those impact him. And the conversations are always different. So you mm-hmm. do see a very different conversation. You know, me and me and Daniel can connect on a whole different level just because of his experience in the U.S. and his interaction with, you know, he's in Kansas City. I mean, his involvement yeah. with some of these NFL players, like he knows some of them the same way I know some of them. So we can connect on that level. And, um, you know, it's just it's just a very difference. That's where you really have to be a jack of all trades. You have to really be able to bounce around and understand and, and get to know them personally, where they come from. You know, Janos comes from a very different background than, say, Ugi comes from with Ugi being international and coming back to Hungary. And, you know, fans can talk about, you know, the expectations of Zizak to be a certain player. But then you also have to understand his desires, motivations, his background, his, you know, where he comes from and what affects his life. You know, there's a lot of psychology involved with mm-hmm. the decisions he's made and what's what's gone on. So it's 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 difficult to say one way or the other. It's just, it's something you see everyone comes from a different place and a different background. You have to acknowledge it going into the relationship with them. Uh, same thing with, with Bogdan, uh, when he came back to Hungary, you know, he had a very different career than I think a lot of them did. And he had a very different career than what, uh, with, with Dominic was having. So to connect with him, to get him to bring the best of himself out, we really had to, understand where he had been at Liverpool and when he was on loan and when he, why and what was going through his head when he's coming back to start being a goalie at FTC. So, you know, it's, it's been, it's always like, that's something I go with every athlete is really trying to understand where and what they're coming from and what the experience is. And I wouldn't even say the home base players have one mentality. It, it changes drastically from say Pox to Budapest to Debrecen to, you know, wherever it is they're coming from. So it's something you're always trying to play with and, and West coast versus Kansas city versus New York will all be different as well. Mm-hmm. So with, with Daniel Shaloy, like how, how does that relationship work when you aren't together? So when he is in Kansas, like, do you guys still talk? Do you kind of give him tips and like, how, how does the, or like maybe set out a regime for him? Like, how does that work? Uh, right now? I mean, you know, when he's here, we're, we're involved very closely and everything going on. I mean, we talk, uh, I mean, at some points it's every day. Uh, other times it's every other day. Kind of it's on and off where he's, he knows, he knows very clearly. We've had the conversation. He knows it very well. He needs anything whatsoever. He just calls. He calls, he texts, whatever it is. There's no, I don't care what the time it is. He knows to call me or text me and he gets, if I don't know the answer, I'm looking it up to try and help him. And if, if he needs, you know, if I have it, I just, I tell him what I think and how to approach things. Um, we talk after every game. I'm always following the games, watching the reviews, watching the highlights. Um, I try to get up for the games. Depends on what the schedule is. Um, but you know, he knows, he's knows, and he, you know, he's told me he, he loves the idea that if he needs me, I'll fly out there in two seconds. It's done. Yeah. Wherever, whatever city he's in, he needs something, he calls me, I'm there. Done. Um, you know, so we, we have a very close relationship. Janos is the same. It's a little easier because he's not that far away. Um, but me and, me and Janos, we talk all the time. 
uh, Oogie as well. And I'm with Vernish every day right now. So, I mean, these guys know that we try to build a relationship as tight as possible while we have the chance to do that. And then, you know, we continue that and I provide whatever they need. So, you know, with it's a really free flowing kind of concept because sometimes Daniel's going to need more than other times he's not going to need as much. Um, a lot of what he needed to kind of get through that first period of the training camp and the season, he would perform well when he's in shape. And it was more about getting him into the right shape and getting him to explode in the right manner early in the season. So he would avoid injury. And now he's seeing what his, I think, honestly, base level is because he wasn't being held back by injuries, held back by the mental blocks that the injuries, you know, set into him. So now you're seeing what baseline Daniel is, which yeah. is a scary thought because we haven't actually started upgrading any of the pieces yet. I mean, he's got huge things we can do with his body, with his mentality, with everything. It's just going to be, it's going to be turning the dial from zero to one. And we're going to start pushing the dial up as many digits as possible. So, I mean, I th I'm really excited about what he can accomplish. And same thing with Yano. She's just, he's finally learning what he's capable of. I, I don't think that was a fluke season. I think it's just him realizing he's actually that good and he actually can score when he wants to go out there and, and perform and, and, and be confident. Yeah. How, how proud does it make you feel like from on a personal level of, of seeing all these successes? Uh, I love it. I love being involved with these guys. I love seeing them be successful. Um, I love knowing that they know they can call me whenever and they can rely on me. I, I love being there for them. I've always, my, my joke was always that I'm a corner man. Um, <laughs> I'm the guy who holds, I don't care what it is, spit bucket, towel, mouth. <laughs> you know, I will slap you and tell you, you got to go one more round. Shut, shut up, get in there, go do it. <laughs> But you know, I'm also the guy who's going to tell you, hey, you got this. Like, the guy's weak, you know? So mm -hmm. I've always, you know, that's just been my thing. I'll walk out with you, but it's your show, and I want you to do it. And, you know, it's it's been a huge thing. Like, it's, I love being involved. I love being involved with the athlete. You know, I did like working with the team. I do enjoy the whole team aspect, but I really enjoy being that guy for these players. And I love being with the players. I love being involved with them, watching them perform. For me, it's 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 twofold. I love watching them play the games and seeing them live and being excited and being, you know, like jumping out of your skin when they're going to play. But I also love when I'm watching the game, especially live, it's really easy for me, but it's it's a it's like studying. Right. So you're just you're watching and you're constantly seeing movements and you're seeing what they do and how their body moves. And you're just my my brain is just making a list of all the things we can do to improve it or make it better. or How yeah. can I help them? And it, it's just a it's a cycle that spins and it gets you know it's a tornado it just gets bigger and bigger and stronger and you just you love seeing them be successful after all these years of hard work and, and a lot of these guys coming from where they came from and you know it's it's great it was it's was so cool to see daniel finally like just take off from the the minute go in this season he's just taken off he's in the category for for mvp and he's not possibly on the all-star team like it's cool that he's finally getting to show everyone what he really was about after moving out to Kansas city as a young kid and all the stuff he's done in his career, which none of us realize, I, like truly realize we, we read it and we're like, okay, cool. But that stuff's not easy. It's easy to read in a piece of paper, but it's so hard for us to come to just understand what it meant and what he did. And same thing with Janos. He was doing a lot of sacrifices that no one realized he was pushing really hard and, and, 
you know, it was great. He believed in himself and he kept having a good attitude when things would go sideways. And just to see it finally click and finally come out and finally that, you know, he ends up having, you know, the, the goal title, uh, a solid, you know, the team got, well, I think, fourth place. He was a key piece of the team. His, he has this fantastic family. He ends up having his, I knew about his, his baby coming the whole time, you know, and then the whole thing kind of comes together where he ends up on the national team. Mm -hmm. He's looking to go international and his baby's born right before his first international appearance. (laughs) It was just, it was just crazy. Like I was just so happy to be part of it with him and for him to be calling me all excited. One of the first people he's calling was just even cooler. So it's, it's cool to have such a tight relationship. It's not always easy. Um, you know, when things aren't going well to have that really personal relationship with them, but it's also really cool you know, that you guys can go through war together and they know I'm on the front line with them. So, you know, going through war with them is just, and it's an amazing experience that you, I'll never forget. Awesome. And, and you mentioned that, like the team you're involved with, Carol, are you still, are you still going to be involved with them next season as they go into MB2? Uh, I don't believe so. No, uh, they have a different direction they're going. The goal was to work with them to help them kind of build out some of their players and to get their players to kind of have that spark that they were missing. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with, I ended up working with most of the team uh, in one fashion or another, um, was in the locker room, which was really cool, was on, you know, was ended up because of the way that the, the games were structured. I ended up yelling from the sideline, different things to help them out and be involved on game, you know, game moments. But it was one crazy experience um but the team you know has a certain pathway a certain plan they want to accomplish and yeah I, you know i'm always available for them always a resource for them but you know we got the job done we we accomplished what we had originally set out to accomplish and then you know they need to i'm a good resource for them on top of what their team structure was um so i think that you know they need to figure out that structure for the next level and what they're doing and continue to evolve as a team and if I can provide something and be involved with them in the future to help out, then, you know, they know my number, they know how to call me. I have a good relationship with the coaching staff and management and, you know, we'll see where the future goes. Um, Kevin McCluskey's just got a question on that, on that topic. Like, I know you're not involved with them, but how, how do you expect them to kind of do next season? Um, it's tough. I mean, I I think it will be a transition. I think that they were definitely one of the better tactical teams in the last league. Um, that didn't always show. That was part of the the struggle and, and the mentality was that the players were getting very frustrated that they were playing good um, tactical football, very high end football with passes and and looking sexy. And it was you know it was fun to watch them play mm-hmm. until they play with a team that would just pack the back of the, the back of the pitch and just you know roughhouse them. And you had you know, a fantastic uh, center forward and Aaron who he put on size. We, we, you know, I think he's a huge, a huge hidden gem for the entire league. Um, He just loves to play the game. He's great at what he does. As long as he understands now what, how to use his body and what he needs to do. And his style is much different than he thought his style was. Um, But he'd be getting hit at the half, you know, half, the half, pitch mark he's getting he's getting hit he's getting shoved around and you know penalties are not getting called and the team would get frustrated so I think you know the fact that they got out of the third division was a bigger accomplishment than we give them credit for because it was very mentally challenging on the players to handle things going sideways constantly 
um, and to be able to to still find a way to get the job done. They learned a lot throughout that season, especially in the second half. A lot of the players got retained for this season, so I think they have a lot of hidden gems that can do very well. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, the league, the second league is is split a little bit more between some of the teams packing the back and playing more, I don't know the word you want to say, barbaric football. Mm. It's not very skill-oriented. It's not very sexy. But then you have the other half of the team, the other league, playing sexier, nicer football. But you have a lot of teams like Avashash or DBTK where they have a real big first league budget or first league expectations. So, I mean, Basha's got an absurd amount of money. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to say exactly. I, I would say this year, probably somewhere middle of the pack, hopefully the higher the middle of the pack. Um, I think the first thing is start off the season well and avoid getting yourself into a hole where fighting to not be relegated is the actual goal of the season. So start out good and start, you just take it one step at a time. You know, as long as they stay focused, the players stay dialed in, it should be pretty good. Nice. And just one more question from um, from Twitter. It's, it's from Tomas Korn, who's is a big uh, American football fan, or uh, American soccer fan, maybe better to put it. Uh, he put, um, how much has the perception of soccer changed in the US? And as a coach, what do you think the, might be the reason the US has started producing a lot of top-notch soccer players in recent years? honestly growing up soccer was not something i wanted to do um i did it growing up i learned soccer and all this stuff and i was i had a lot of fun doing it when i had the ball the problem was that it was very disorganized very chaotic growing up and when it started coming what's the future of football or soccer you don't really see a huge future you saw same thing with the cross you see going to a college and maybe that's it soccer is even worse because a lot of the schools like even usc where i was at it's a huge sports program we have women's football but we don't have men's or soccer sorry we have women's soccer but we don't have men's soccer it wasn't a official usc sport um so it's not really a strong emphasis from the ncaa um and i think that's really hindered the developmental process when title nine which is basically the the ruling that men's and women's sponsors, uh, um, sponsorships have to be equal. So to get a scholarship from a school, equal number of men, equal number of women. Um, because men have American football with his like 88, spo- 88 scholarships, it really kills sports like American or American soccer and stuff when women have that sport, but men don't. So I think that's part of the reason that you see women's sports have been doing or women's soccer has been doing well on the international level. We have a better pathway for it in the U S that's naturally structured. I think that the U S find it very embarrassing that we're not doing better. I think it's very, it's, you know, we're always kind of ashamed that our men are not doing as good on the international scene as we do in basketball or baseball. Um, so I think we put a lot of effort into trying to figure out how to create those, um, that pathway from some of these players and we've been able to create better with the MLS putting more effort into it, you know, somewhere like the academies for, for Kansas city and some of these, these MLS programs having academies. Now, I think we've started to create a better structure for getting kids into these processes and getting them to take the stepping stone. If I had seen players like Solai uh, playing, then I would have been way more like into playing it i would have been way more into being involved in it it just wasn't something i saw it wasn't something i was experienced to and with that with that exposure 
you're getting more players staying in it, more competitiveness. It drops down the line. And I think it's going to be something that's going to be much, much better in the future, especially if the national team can continue to compete on the international level much more and much better. So we compete at a higher level and we, we actually take, you know, we don't just get knocked out in the first round or don't even qualify. Like if we do it and we do it well, it will be a, a spiral effect. And I think it'd be very fun to see. And I think that the U S can bring a lot to the table and helping the industry grow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been tough. I mean, it's just, it's a natural development of title nine and NCAA and, it kind of steps out of the normal structure for football and basketball in the U.S. It's just, it's difficult. We don't know how to handle that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been really, really insightful, really, really interesting. I've just got one more question before sure, we wrap yeah. up. Um, what, what is your ultimate ambition in, in, in all this? Like, what would you kind of say, yeah, I've kind of reached my goal now. Like, what, what, what do you kind of want to do? To be honest, I mean, okay, it sounds really bad, but I'd love to make an impact on the sport. I'd love to make an impact on the players and what goes on. Um, I never really came into it with saying, hey, this is my goal. I want to do this. I want to coach a championship team or I want to, you know, it really wasn't like that. It was the same thing with swimming. I came into the sport and I just wanted to kind of, you know, I've been in the sport for so long as a swimmer. I wanted to make an impact as a coach and make an impact as whatever I was doing, just have an impact on the sport. Um, I kind of entered it with open, open mind, open eyes. I, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what the exact goal is. I couldn't say, Hey, I checked it off today. I'm done tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not that kind of guy. I literally, it just constantly changed. You get three Olympic golds and they go, Oh, so you're good, right? No, I gotta <laughs> find something else. I have something else. I gotta, it's like, it's always something I'm always chasing something or I always find that I just want to see what else. I want to. My goal is that when I'm, on my deathbed, I can look back and be like, whoa, that was cool. Whoa, that was amazing. All those things I accomplished. Like, I don't want to stop until then. There's things I want to accomplish and check off the list, but I really want to be constantly evolving and changing and, and seeing what else I can accomplish. I'm open for any and all opportunities in football. I, I'd love to be involved in every way I can, whether it's with a big team, whether it's just with players. I, I'm I'm open. I mean, I've just I mean, enjoyed the journey. I've enjoyed being in the football world. It's it's absolutely amazing. European the European games only made me want to be involved more. It only brought the the dream and the goal out more and the love for the sport out more. Janos's success, Daniel's, all these guys' success. It's just been it's been amazing, and I I want to be doing more for them and and helping them more in any way I can. And you know, it's just it's a matter of finding how I can do that in the most effective manner and learning from them i'm constantly learning from daniel asking him questions janos as well you know i've been learning from all these players and you know zhuzhak's been a huge resource for me understanding who what where why dominic as well you know really understanding how things work with with salzburg and leipzig and you know it's been an amazing experience so i just want to continue doing that and then bring that back to the players as well shane thanks very much for coming on the show thank you thank you for having me i appreciate it Stay safe and uh, keep listening to the podcast.